With the release of Marvel's long-awaited Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff finally gets the red out of her ledger in a satisfying film that gives fans definitive answers about Romanoff's story arc. But even though the movie introduces us to a new character who has the potential to evolve into an even more intriguing incarnation of the Widow, we have to ask, will the next era of MCU storytelling give her the chance? Or does the Black Widow movie signal the end of Marvel's patient, world-building and meticulous character development? In short, where will the MCU go after Black Widow? This is Mad Unreal, episode 40. Let's go. I have to say, man, I, I enjoyed Black Widow. So you started, I, let's talk about that though, the theatrical experience, because I watched it at the crib. So yeah. I did the, the premiere access, which I, I have to say on Disney Plus, it's $30, which yeah. if you have a family of like four or five people, that's a real good bargain. You know that's what I'm a real, Yeah, it's a real good bargain. If you don't have a family of four or five people, that's a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. You for, feel for, like. For, for non-ownership. <laughs> you feel like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's a lot of money to drop on one film. But then, okay, well, maybe if I did go see it, I may spend, even if I was solo, I may spend, you know, a certain amount. I don't know if it'd be 30, but, you know. Yeah. After transportation, parking, whatever, you know, popcorn. It's like it gets up there, but still, that was a nice yeah. little. But so, what was it like? Let me. That was your first time in the theater in what a year and a half, or since what? Since Rise of Skywalker, maybe I don't know. When's what's the last movie you saw in the theater? I don't remember. It might have been Rise of Skywalker. I'm trying to think about what was what jumped off late winter of 2020. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think Rise of Skywalker was it. Yeah, I, I think I think that may have been the last movie I saw in the theater to date. I mean, but it I mean it was fine. Um I mean, I strategically made sure that we were in the largest theater mm-hmm. in at the Cineplex. And it was a it was a situation where you could choose your seats. Mm-hmm. I was familiar with the theater, so I knew that they would be those recliner style. We had the wide right. aisles so that Technically, the number of people that are in a row is significantly reduced than, you know, chair, 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 chair. Mm-hmm. Um, I did uh, four seats from an aisle, you know, inward, mm-hmm. sat toward the back, you know, like we usually do. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, always. You know, you know, and then you start getting down the rabbit hole about ventilation systems and the <laughs> easiest way out. How much research that. did you do, Arthur? <laughs> I, well, enough, but you know, a were lot you of like it tech? was pre research. Were you, were you like tech from the Bad Batch? You was up in there with your with the. With I will the... say that I parked strategically so that when we got out the <laughs> so door, you get the hell out. <laughs> but masked the whole time and right, everybody and was fully vaxxed. Yeah, yeah. So, but what was what was it like? Because I mean, there were certain sequences in there. I know we're gonna get into it, but there are certain sequences in this film. Well, I was like, wow. I mean, it was it was beautifully shot. There was some really nice, uh, Man, gorgeous the, shots. The Norway sequence, the Norway were just stuff, absolutely the, uh, gorgeous. Some of the rooftop stuff. I was just like, wow, yep. this is really. Yep. Um, Kate Shortland, uh, Shortland, the uh, director. I'm like, and her cinematographer. I'm like, wow. Um, but the, you know, as I was watching it on my television, which is a nice television, beautiful screen. You know, I enjoyed it, but I was thinking, wow, this will look really good you know, on, at, at the theater. So did, were you, when you were watching it, were you thinking, yeah, I'm glad I came to the theater to see this? 
Hmm. Any Marvel movie is best is best served by a theater screen. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, given the circumstances of where the country is with vaccinations and 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 the pandemic overall, mm-hmm. um, I would have been fine with premiere access, and then we're all sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we needed to get out, right? And yeah. I think because everybody was fully vaccinated, because of the circumstances, up oh, mm-hmm. I got these tickets. It's the first show of the day. The theater actually wasn't full. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. maybe at sixty percent capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was fine. It's like mm-hmm. okay, well, if if we can do it this way, let's do it this way because it it's gonna be a good value for just mm-hmm. morale and some further semblance of normalcy and you know for right. everything that we've been through. So, so overall, let's, let's get into your overall thoughts of the movie before we dive into the main topic of the show. Let's talk about what would, did you, I don't know what kind of, I, I don't know if we talked about your expectations going into the, the film, but mm-hmm. what, cause I mean, we've had what a year and a half of trailers. We've had a year yeah. to kind of like, you know, cause the delays we've had about a year of just kind of soaking what, you know, this movie in and what it could be. Um, so what were your expectations and what was your feeling overall feelings watching this movie? I think I did expect to see more uh, Avenger characters in it. I did see, I, I believed I would see an appearance of um, Steve Rogers, mm. um, possibly even uh, a Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, I expected, and we heard from, but I, you know, I expected to hear from um, Clint. Mm. Um. I did not expect her backstory to be compelling is too strong of a word, but for lack of a better one, she did have a, they presented a compelling backstory. I understand Natasha better after seeing this film. Mm. So after, so after watching this, when you go back and watch from Iron Man 2 on, you have a different, a different perspective. Yeah. As a matter of fact, just yesterday, my wife and I watched Civil War again Mm -hmm. which is which black widow takes takes place place. immediately following civil war so it gave greater understanding as to in civil war when she actually went on the run and um it 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 contextualized um her many references of of what happened in budapest between her and clint why her she and clint are so close right gave some extra information there Mm mm-hmm and um, it did it did a non corny job of showing how she was involved in breaking out Falcon, Ant Man, um, Scarlet Witch, you know, mm-hmm. out of the out of the I guess uh, the raft, know, it's called maximum, the raft. Ma- yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the maximum, the uber maximum security prison that Quick, Secretary you know Ross what, had them in. Quick question about that though. Homeboy, um, her supplier, I forgot his name, but her supplier, um, actually let's look at his name. His name was Yeah, Rick Mason. Um so he you know, he was hooking her up with the supplies throughout the film. At the end of the movie he shows up with that Quinjet, right? Yeah. How does he get that without Tony Stark's help? I, I I mean I know is I think it's a, it may be a shield I, I don't know if the Quinjet is a shield um uh you know transport I'm assuming it is I think we see 
uh, Steve Rogers and Romanoff in one in, in Winter Soldier. Um, but I was thinking Shield is not going to help him. Obviously, you know he's a he's kind of like a black market supplier. I you know I wouldn't be surprised if we find out later at some point that Tony you know even though he was pissed with you know Steve and Natasha and everybody, it wouldn't surprise me if we found out later that oh yeah by the way Tony helped that dude out because he knew dude was helping Natasha out. You know what I'm saying if if that was kind of like Tony's side way of helping her out without really getting involved getting involved because i just i know dude is good but it's like he, that's a quinjet man you know what i'm saying that's yeah. matter of fact well, how many a, of those were there though well there was like i said i believe there's a couple in winter soldier i believe there's one in the first avengers okay. um hawk you know escapes you know he, or well not escapes but hawk gets trapped in one at the end of ultron and that's what takes him to sakar you know the uh where we find him at in ragnarok um so he was in a Quinjet. Remember then then that's how yeah, yeah, Hulk, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thor and Valkyrie get off of Scar, you know, and, and end up in Asgard. It was on a Quinjet. So these are I think these are kinda like shield vehicles, but I just can't see Shield giving them giving, up. giving one up for, you know, for this black market dude or him even being able to get access to one. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, I'm sorry, I, I, I hijacked, but so you're but you overall you like the movie. You had a good time with it. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, it? It was. Was it better than you thought it was going to be? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. Um, one thing that kind of bothered me was um, the the fight sequence between um, between Natasha mm-hmm. and um, Drakov's daughter. Right, Taskmaster. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On that happened on the bridge. That mm-hmm. there seemed to be a little too much sort of cliche to it but Mm -hmm. it was kind of contextualized as taskmaster analyzes the his opponents in this case her opponents fighting style and it's Mm -hmm. like fighting a mirror yeah and that one swing that she did was very spider-man-esque you know when she cuts the rope and this way i was like oh she studies spider-man as well so yeah antonia um slash taskmaster um okay well I, I gotta be honest, man. I, I, this movie was better than I thought it was going to be. And we're, we should, we're recording this like the day, two days after release. So it's, I, I, I feel like I need to see it again. It's, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's fresh in my mind, but I feel like I need to sit with it for a little bit longer, but it's, it was better than I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't as good as I thought it could be. If that makes sense. The first 20 minutes of this film, the first 20 minutes of this film were like, I was like, Oh shit! They're gonna do it. Like yeah. you know, it was like that. There was that. I that I um I should say there was kind of the the sense that was floating around over the last few years when this when this film was announced. It was like this is going to be a gritty spy thriller. You know, um, in the vein of maybe the Bourne films. You know, the two mm-hmm. uh, uh the two, the second and third Bourne film. Um, even maybe even the first born film born identity. So that's kind of the, the feeling that was like around the community that, wow, this is going to happen. Um, and then the first, you know, 10 minutes of this film, especially if you have not watched the Americans FX, the Americans, I believe the entire series is now available on, um, Amazon prime. I think watch that. The first mm-hmm. 10 minutes of this film was a, it was like a, I want to say homage, but it was it was really like they just lifted, you know, from the Americans um, in a good way. You know, and that's why I say I guess it was a homage. Um, the the tension, the feel, the idea of a sleeper, you know, Russian cell family, you know, living in 
the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, that that Ohio, uh, I, that wasn't Ohio, because <laughs> <laughs> as someone who's lived in both Ohio and in Atlanta, I can say that was Atlanta. Then I, mm-hmm. and I know you do too. You recognize those trees, yeah. those trees. Yeah. I was like, that's that's some Georgia pine right there. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a, the the first ten minutes of the film was definitely homage to the Americans, um, which is to me, I, I mean, I, that's one of my favorite television series of the last I don't know a couple decades. Um, it was, it was a very, if you don't know it, it was, it was based on a family similar to what we see in Black Widow of two Russian spies, um, the mother and the father, Mm -hmm. um, and their, uh, daughter and their son. And the difference being though, different from Black Widow is that this was their actual, these, these were their actual kids, you know? So the -hmm. Russians put these two spies together when they were very young they got married, you know, told them, you know, that was part of the cover. They got married. They yeah. had kids mm-hmm. um, and the kids are unaware that their parents are spies. You know, the kids mm-hmm. are Americans, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just I mean, it's 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 an incredible series. man. I highly, highly recommend it for anyone. Um, and this, you know, the first 10 minutes of the Black Panther, oh, the Black Panther, Black Widow. That'll probably be the first of many times we make that mistake during this yes. recording. Um, <laughs> Black Widow was that when they went in that direction that again, I was kind of sitting on the couch like, Oh, they're really going to do this. And there were flashes of that throughout the movie. Um, the Budapest, you know, uh, mm-hmm. sequence, Budapest. um, right. <laughs> the, uh, the Norway sequence, you know, yeah. um, there was just moments where it was like, it had that, you know, Americans, Jason Bourne type texture to it. Um, my problem was that the Arthur, they, they went away from it, you know, and it became a Marvel superhero film. And I, usually when I say that, that can mean many things because Marvel superhero films are, in my, my opinion, have a lot of diversity to them. But in this context, when I'm saying it, it felt like, especially like with Taskmaster, Master, the outfit didn't feel right in that world to me. I got um, big, big G.I. Joe drive. G.I. Joe, yeah. <laughs> That's a good analogy. Um, and then the blowing up of the, uh, you know, the whole last 20 or 30 minutes of the movie. It just felt like, oh, I really wish they would have stayed with that, t- the tonality they established at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like it started checking boxes and that became that became problematic, I think, for me. What do you think about that? Um, I, I agree in several ways, but I think that they didn't really have a choice. Mm. What do you mean by that? So I feel that Black Widow needed to ramp up the superhero explosions, death defying leaps. Like it, it needed to ratchet all of that up because it needed to compensate for the fact that the core Avengers are basically done. Mm. And, mm. and you need it, you, you know, you need explosions and big bombs and buildings falling down and lasers <laughs> and shit for, for a summer movie for, and technically it was supposed to be a spring movie. Right. But I mean, you need that for a Marvel movie in the vein of black widow because she doesn't do shit. She can't fly. <laughs> She doesn't have super strength. She's not a super soldier, right? She's just got a couple guns and a a, a shadowy backstory. Okay. So you almost had to overcompensate for 
that overcompensation that's a good word that's a good word and that's 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 fair i disagree but that's fair and the reason and but the reason i say it's fair is because well the reason i say i disagree is because i i feel like this her story is much better served without the hundred million dollars extra hundred million dollars of shit blowing up you know what i'm saying it was like you you wanted a logan i wanted a logan you know, I wanted a Logan because to be honest, man, if you see the budget of this film on paper, it would not surprise me if it did have a line item that says $100 million and then next to it says to blow shit up. You know, yeah, they had like, like half a dozen visual effects companies. I sat through the credits. They had a half a dozen or so, right. if not more, visual effects companies doing all these right. little itty bitty things. I saw this. Interesting. You said, it's, it's interesting you said that because I usually don't notice that, but I did notice it in this film and I actually read those and it was like additional effects by or additional blah, 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 blah. And it was like... Yeah a hundred people you know and it's like yeah so but i think that her story in particular is better served without that you know extra hundred million dollars of blowing shit up Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. but the reason i say it's a fair point is because you're dealing with an a-list actor here for one thing you're dealing with with scarlett johansson Mm -hmm. to me it would have been this would have been better you know her story would have been a, a fantastic six episode disney plus streaming series you know what i'm saying with straight raw gritty mm-hmm, mm-hmm. spy thriller r-rated you know six episodes each one an hour long that would have been great you know but like true detective style you know what i'm saying like that type of that type of you know storytelling mm-hmm. that level of storytelling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then you know is scarlett johansson going to do tv i don't know you know a lot of a-list actors are doing television now but i don't know if that's her thing maybe she, maybe she doesn't want to do that maybe they don't want to put her in that position i don't know maybe like to your point Marvel said Marvel feels like they need all of the Avengers. If we're going to do an Avengers movie, it has to be a two hour big extravaganza summer tentpole film. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But and we're about to get into the main topic. But I think for me, just to sum it up, my overall feelings is that I enjoyed the film. But I do think that that type of that extra hundred million dollars of, you know, blow shit up it. It detracted from the story for me. And I think Mm -hmm, that had they mm -hmm. stayed in that vein of, you know, the Ohio sequence, the uh, Budapest sequence, the Norway sequence, all mm-hmm. those types of things. Mm-hmm. It just gets much, it just stays much better. Once Taskmaster showed up, I was like, uh. you know, because again, it, and we'll, we'll talk about this, but it just felt, it just, it didn't feel right to me anymore. And then, you know, with the, um, the last 30 minutes, it was just like, wow, even when they were in the snowsuits, you know, um, breaking mm-hmm. homeboy out of, out of jail, mm-hmm. um, the Red Guardian, which he, you know, Give a shout out to all everybody in this movie as far as their performances. I, th- I thought everybody was great. You know, yeah. David Harbour as Alexi Red Guardian. He, David he Harbour was... was great. Um, obviously, um, uh, Yelena. Um, uh, God, why is her Florence name Pugh. Florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. Um, who, if you haven't seen her in um, uh, John Lacare's uh, The Little Drummer Girl, the AMC that came out, I believe it was like in 2018. Um, that's worth seeing as well. She's she's excellent in that as well. She's just she's a standout. You know, she's an actress. You know what I'm saying? She's mm-hmm, an actor. Mm-hmm, you know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? So mm-hmm. her and then Rachel Wise, man, Rachel Wise killed it. You know, I thought she was mm-hmm. excellent. You know, so everybody in this movie and, and Scarlett Johansson was great, too. But she was I, I feel like she was outshined by the other three, you know, um, but they, you know, they all did a great job. I think some of the action sequences were, were great. The cinematography and some of the shots were just, you know, I'm just incredible. And that's why I said, I wish I would have seen it in the theater. Um, but I just feel like this story would have been much better told on a lower scale mm-hmm. in a more visceral, you know, gritty way. 
Um, I feel like that was the story that I wanted from the black from Black Widow. Let me ask you this: Would you have been all right if Falcon and Winter Soldier switched places with Black Widow, where Black Widow was the six to eight episode story arc, and Falcon and Winter Soldier was the two two mm, that's, two twenty five? Yes, the answer is yes. That's that's a great question. The answer is yes, and I say that because the first episode, maybe the first two episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier, gave me the same hope as mm-hmm. the first, you know, twenty minutes of Black Widow, mm-hmm. um, especially the first episode of Black of, of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I mm-hmm. thought was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, by the time you get to episode, I think five or six or whatever, it. They started, you know, feeling like, oh, we got this extra hundred million dollars we got to spend as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that it, it did the same kind of thing. But could I see that story condensed into a two-hour film and being it been, you know, impactful? Yes, I could see that. And I would, mm-hmm. it, I would rather see Black Widow in that six-episode, you know, mm-hmm. uh, HBO style, you know, thriller that I that I would want. Um, but let's let's get it. Okay, so those are our feelings on the over, on the film overall, though. But like you asked in the um, the cold opening, Arthur, what after seeing this film and kind of seeing the direction that Marvel is taking with this? I mean, we're moving to phase four, but let's 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 be real about it. We had an era, you know, those first 10 slash 11 years of MCU was an era of filmmaking. Now we're moving into the next era of the MCU. So using those that terminology, we're moving into this next era. This that post credit sequence um, definitely set up things for you know for Yolanda's for uh, for Florence Pugh's character in terms of becoming the new Black Widow, um, presumably. But what do you feel like you know if you see the kind of the, the roads that the MCU is taking? On one side, you see almost like this um, lack of not lack. I shouldn't say that. You see the characters that we're now getting introduced to. Um, cause we got mm-hmm. some, we got some of the characters from the first era. We got Thor, mm-hmm. we got Dr. Strange, we got, um, Hawkeye, you know, we have, uh, we got Scarlet Witch. We have characters that we were introduced to in the previous era. who are going to play a big role in this, this new era, but then we're also getting all these new characters. And with some of these new characters, it looks like Marvel is making the decision to take these new characters and insert them directly into the plots, you know, the established plots. We saw Florence Pugh at the end of the Black Widow. Mm-hmm. She is going after Hawkeye. That just mm-hmm. set up the whole Hawkeye streaming series. You know, we mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, contrast that with before when you kicked off the first era with Iron Man and with Thor and with Captain America, mm-hmm. they were in their own worlds. You know, they're the same world, same continuity. Yes. Yes. But these were films that were really created to introduce us to these characters and allow their character development to build before we saw them together in Avengers. Um, so which it seems like MCU is going in that those two directions. But how do you feel about that? And am I wrong? Is there a third direction that I'm, that I'm not seeing? Where do you think to answer the question of the episode? Where do you think the MCU is going? I, I actually think we answered that question with the uh, Arthur versus the multiverse episode of Mad and Real. I think the multiverse is the direction that they're going to going all in mm-hmm. on for the purpose of being able to recycle some of that phase one, phase two magic as needed for mm. support for some of these stories. Mm. Recycle. That's an interesting word. Word choice. Tony Stark has died. 
Steve Rogers presumably has died. Mm, or he's living on the moon or somewhere. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Arthur you know just put, hand up, put up a stop sign to me. Like, <laughs> like no. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Understood. Go ahead. You know, um, they were the, they, they are the glue of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. You know, what are they going to do now? Well, I believe that they have to use the Disney Plus television shows and the theatrical releases mm-hmm. to be able to weave together narratives that ultimately produce a new bad guy. Because Thanos is dead also. So who is the bad guy? Because mm-hmm. it's definitely not the power broker. At least I hope it isn't. But you <laughs> no, would think that <laughs> you would think that mm-hmm. Valentina is the you know the agent of you know the new the new villain that somehow threatens the galaxy so that Thor can can be involved because otherwise you really don't need him back on Earth. Mm-hmm. So I don't but know if that answers how, your question but, about but, where where but, are they where can they go? But I I, I do well, believe it answers, that it, it answers the multiverse it in a, that needs to. Yeah, it answers it in a broad sense. But my question is, what? So you you've described the destination, but what road are they going to take to get there? Because the first road we took to get to Endgame, you know, if you look back at 2008, there was a road that they took to 2000 and when the hell did Endgame come out? 2019. 19, yeah. So there was a road that they took there, and that road was through that very, like we said, that kind of meticulous characterization. And giving these characters space to kind of like breathe on their own. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, which essentially, to be fair, that's what Black Widow was, the film. You know, it was Mm -hmm. Natasha's story taking place between Civil War and Infinity War. Mm -hmm. What happened to her? And even though we were surprised that we didn't get cameos, it gave her the opportunity. It gave us the opportunity to learn more about her as a character. And I, and I, I will say this, it, for me, it did a really good job of one answering some questions I had about her. Notably, you know, Loki mentions, um, the death of Antonia, you know, mm-hmm. the little girl of, of, uh, the big bad's daughter. He mentions that back in Avengers, you know, he says to her, can you really get that much red out of your ledger? And then he says, mm-hmm. you know, so-and-so's mm-hmm. daughter, Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, you see it hit. It had an impact on uh, Natasha because she's like, damn, this motherfucker's done his homework. You know, he really knows mm-hmm. about he mm-hmm. knows all my mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. Um, so it answered a lot of questions about her and it gave her her room to shine. Very similar to and a lot, I should have said this at the beginning. Um, I'm holding up so you can see it. The, the, the audience can't see it. But this is the Chris uh, Wade and uh, um, Samney run from black widow this is i think from maybe about five years ago okay um the black widow run and it was a lot of the film came out of these comics um mm-hmm. and these are these these were excellent books i, I would recommend this run um to anybody who's interested in, in black widow mm-hmm. um so but the film did it took a lot from these comics and gave us that time to just spend with natasha in a mm-hmm. very similar way that it did with uh, Captain America and Iron Man and Thor um, mm-hmm. at the beginning of mm-hmm. the MCU in 2008, 2000 through like 2010 before Avengers, you know, um, and definitely before Civil War. Yeah. So which is that the way that they're going to take? Because it doesn't it doesn't feel that way, Arthur. It feels like 
we are getting characters now. If you look at the whole, you know, even some of the old characters, if you look at the whole Falcon and Winter Soldier series, um, Disney Plus series, that was really everything that took place was in the shadow of Captain America and everything that happened in, you know, uh, the first era of the MCU. All that time took place in that shadow. And at the end of that, we just kind of like Bucky's kind of he's still the Winter Soldier. And uh, Sam is the new Captain America, but he's Captain America. He's not the Falcon mm-hmm. anymore. He's Captain America. It's kind of like what really changed, you know what I'm saying? What really happened in that series? And so those characters for from the old era and the new characters we're getting introduced to now, it feels like in this new era, they're just kind of getting thrust into these already established storylines, you know, and it's like we're not we're not going to spend too much time with them and understanding who they are. Florence Pugh's character, Yelena, in in Black Widow, she was the standout. You know, I think everybody's going to walk away from this going, yeah. she really stole that movie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She was she was excellent in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, I wanted, you know, it's like, man, I would really like to get more time with her and to see her develop and become Black Widow in her own, um, under her own terms, in her own way. But then immediately in the post-credit sequence, Val shows up by the way, did you know that, you know, um, this guy here, Clint, is the one responsible for Natasha's death. Mm-hmm. You should go after him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, well, she's going to go after Clint. It's like I haven't had any time spent with her yet. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. she, now she's a part of this this larger kind of Avengers. This happened in Endgame plot. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. And I, I think that's to me, that's the direction. That's the road. Like I said, that type of storytelling is the road that the MCU is taking. And I'm wondering if that's going to um, and I, I really say I'm wondering using it. I'm not being um, uh, I'm not just throwing that word out there. I, I'm serious about that. I really wonder literally if that's going to be a good decision or a bad decision. You know, how do you feel about the MCU character bench right now? Because mm. I'm seeing <laughs> it's kind of shallow, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, because I'm seeing I'm seeing uh Iron Man is out of the picture. Captain Mm -hmm. America is out of the picture. T'Challa as Black Panther is out of the picture. Mm -hmm. Um, What's left is, and uh, to be clear, you know, I'm talking about, you know, OG Avengers. Mm -hmm. We still have Hulk. We still have Thor. uh, We still have Strange. And, you know, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy, but they've always been outliers. Right. Literally. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, I, I think the bench, I'm worried about the bench. And it's funny, Arthur, because if you look at 2008, Iron Man was not a a list. You know, he wasn't an a lister. You know, mm-hmm. when they when they mm-hmm. announced the Iron Man movie, he's like, why the fuck are they making an Iron Man movie? You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you got mm-hmm. Superman, you got Batman, you got Spider-Man, you even got the Hulk. You know, you got, um, you know, name like some of the some of the other, you know, huge like just superheroes that, that everyone knows, you know, that the average mm-hmm. person, um, John Doe, Jane Doe on the street knows Iron Man was not like anywhere near, you know, he wasn't on that list. And so it's kind of unfair to judge a shallow or to call their bench shallow now, because in 2008, it was like, that wasn't the obvious choice. Um, even Thor, you know, Thor was, you know, Thor is a, is a, uh, well respected, well known hero within the combo community, obviously, but the average person on the street in 2009 or whenever that first film came out, um, it was like Thor, you know what I'm saying? It's like, why make a Thor movie? Um, 
so yeah, I, I think I'm a little bit concerned about the bench, but at the same time, how can I judge that when they've already they did that before? But how did they do it, though, Arthur? They did it through meticulous characterization. You know what I'm saying? They took their yes, time with these characters. But they also centered it around around major major plot lines in the comic books in the history of the, I mean they were mining I, like Thanos mm. was the hub for definitely phase two and uh, of course phase three but I mean th- you know we were getting end, se- end credit sequences now and again that featured Thanos right and there was little and, but there was little hints of infinity stones going mm-hmm. all the way back to the beginning of phase one mm-hmm. but but this is a huge but is that the characters themselves, the story of the films was not completely wrapped up in the larger, bigger picture. And that's why and it, it, all this is, you know, this is we're prognosticating here. We're kind of, you know, none sure. of this is based on, sure. you know, what we're going to see over the next two or three years. But the, what, what worries me is that just using Yelena again, um, Florence Pugh's character she's not going, she's immediately being thrown into a situation with another MCU character. And the reason the impetus for that is something that happened in Endgame. you know? Yes, so it's like a even, bigger, it's a bigger thing. And it's like, I, I want time with her, you know, I get that. But even then, even then it's still a localized issue. Valentina is coming to her with a revenge mm. plot, a revenge story. Right, but then we don't know what Valentina is either. What if what if she's like you said connected to the big bad? Which goes by which goes back to me saying, okay, what's the next big bad? What, what's mm. what's the what's the next major issue that's going to make Thor, you know, come come from you know wherever the hell he is? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and, technically oh, Norway, right? He's on Earth, or, or no, no? He well, left. No, that yeah, ba- Valkyrie's he left. there. He's, he's, yeah, Valkyrie's there. But here's the other thing: is that. There's and I've seen videos, YouTube vids on this where, you know, other um, podcasters and YouTubers are kind of like trying to figure out the same thing we're trying to figure out. And one road that we haven't really talked about yet is that there also there's also the possibility that Marvel really is going to split cosmic from Earth, you know, cosmic cosmic uh, heroes from the Earth heroes. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right now in, in the first era, we did see all of these heroes. You know, you saw. Um, Black Panther and Spider-Man fighting alongside, you know, Thor and Captain Marvel, you know, mm-hmm. so you had the galactic, you know, out of, out of this world, you know, heavy hitters, so to speak, mm-hmm. with the more earthbound, um, you know, heroes. So we saw that in the first era, but there's the possibility that in this, this next era, Arthur, of story of MCU storytelling, they're going to further divide those. So maybe to what you're saying, maybe there won't be a reason for Thor to come back to earth. You know, maybe mm-hmm. there won't be a, a big, mm-hmm. you know, Avenger style film where all these heroes have to come together. And regardless, so you might have um, Florence Pugh standing next to Chris Hemsworth. You know what I'm saying? That may not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think I kind of I kind of I, I don't know. Part of me actually likes that, you know, what I'm saying because it never did make sense. Like you said at the beginning of the show, it never did make sense for, you know, um, Black Widow and, and Clint to be standing there next to. Thor and Hawk, you know, it's like that's mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. completely different levels of superherodom, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> of, of mm-hmm. power right there. Yeah. Um. So I'm not completely mad at the fact that they decide to split these things, but again, it gets that's a third avenue, and it it kind of like, do you have to pick one of these routes? You know, as, if you're the MCU, do you have to decide? Listen, if we're going to keep this continuity thing going, 
um, we have to choose one of these routes of how we're going to, you know, how we're going to build these characters, how we're going to continue to world build. And that's that's the question I want to ask you is that we've seen this world building happen in the first year era. Should Marvel continue that type of world building and that type of characterization or should they just say, you know what? We're going to like we're doing Florence Pugh and, and Hawkeye. We're not going to worry about developing Florence Pugh in her own film before we introduce her to any other MCU characters. Mm-hmm. No, we're going to throw her right in the Hawkeye series, you know, and mm-hmm. immediately get her involved in something that happened in the first era, you know, uh, between him and Natasha. Um, what, which one do you, what do you, what's your preference? My, well, my, I guess my preference would be that they, that they, that they split the characters, uh, because to me that seems to be the natural order of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that to get the audiences to the theater, to the theater especially, but to get the audiences to want to see these stories, they, they they do have to hang their hat in some kind of way on the original, or at least the, at least the earlier phases. Mm. Either, either, either Hydra and the concept of Hydra and post Hydra Hydra activity mm. that centered the Captain America and, uh, or at least that unified the Captain America and uh, Iron Man story arcs, mm-hmm. or the snap in the aftermath of the snap, mm-hmm. um, and we saw interestingly enough, you know, we saw both of those worlds in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, two things that we haven't mentioned: we haven't mentioned the Fantastic Four, and for some reason, somebody wants to bring them back into this because um, none of those movies have worked, in my view. Um, but we haven't even considered X Men. Yeah, yeah, and, and we should. If the X Men are going to be integrated, I'm not even going to get into Daredevil because I know that's a whole other show. But, yeah, and that's all. Okay, so I'm glad you said that because before we get into FF and X Men, let me ask you that we've we've touched on the Disney Plus series. You asked me about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. In this new era of MCU storytelling, how do you think those series, the Disney Plus series, you know, Wanda, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and now um, Loki, how so far have they impacted the new era, or have they impacted the new era? Um, I don't think they've impacted the new era yet. I do feel that these Disney shows are are the seeds that would that would eventually germinate into these mm-hmm. maybe this larger plan mm-hmm. of where to go next. You know, Lo- I think Loki uh, is going to serve whatever's going to go down on in Strange. I think Strange is going to reveal the big bad, the new, the new big bad, either in part or whole. Um, and I think that Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to somehow, well, obviously it's connecting, um, Yelena mm-hmm. and connecting the, the, you know, this black widow narrative through Valentina. Mm-hmm. Okay. But see, here's the problem though. I hear you saying connecting and seed and things like that. Take <laughs> these series by themselves. Yeah. Have you have any of them had any impact on you? Have you enjoyed them to the point where it's like you enjoy, I don't know, like you enjoy Daredevil, you know, season one, you know, take this, take the connectivity away and just all look right, at the right, series right, by all itself. Right, all right, all right. Have these impacted you? Um, have they told you anything new about these characters? 
Yes. WandaVision, I think WandaVision had the, had the greatest impact on me. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm saying without really thinking about it, I guess I'm saying that so far of the series themselves, I enjoyed WandaVision the most. Mm-hmm. And I think that had to do with the way that they told that story and um, kind of the emotional impact of what was happening in those, in those, in those storylines, mm-hmm. you know, where Wanda was coming from and. Yeah. And, w- uh, WandaVision, though, that, you know, the first four or five episodes, I think did that, especially those scenes when she, you know, when she broke character and she realized, you know, that vision was dead and what she was doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, that really spoke a lot to the, the trauma, you know, the psychological trauma that she was dealing with. Um, but by the time it got to the end of that series, I felt the same way as I mentioned a little while ago. It was like, we got money to spend. Let's have this big climactic battle. Here's the big bad of the series. It's her fault. She did it all. She even said that. It's just like, yeah. you know, I just I was just like, meh, that's, by the that's, end. Th- I'm detecting a pattern because that's I was what just I'm like, like I, yo, yeah, look, the, yeah. the first 20 minutes of, of Black Widow, man, I was dope. But then was by the time, was like, ah. <laughs> Falcon and Winter Soldier, the first couple episodes, especially the first one. But by the time we get to it, eh. they give me hype. They give me hype. They bring me up, and then they drop me down. You know, Uh and it's like, Uh I I think that's I think that is all jokes aside. I think it is a a a pattern that we're seeing, and I don't think they I don't think that that the Marvel Studios has mastered the television um, arena in the way that Marvel Netflix did. You know, we, you and I did a show on that, you know, who, who so far, who's had the biggest, who, who did it better so far, you know, Marvel Netflix with their first couple seasons, mm-hmm. um, be, meaning, uh, Daredevil season one and, uh, Jessica Jones season one, or, you know, Disney with, you know, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I have to tell you that now what that, I think we did that show maybe a month and a half, two months ago, and now seeing Loki, and in the context of the question of this episode, where is the MCU going? Um, I don't, I don't think that I, 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 I shouldn't say, I don't think I should say that I'm a little bit nervous about the decision that they're making in terms of let's plant this seed here and that'll grow this. Let's plant this seed over here. Uh-huh. It'll grow this. It doesn't seem like anything is standing on its own, you know? And it's like Loki, man, Loki again here I'm gonna do my pattern again the first two episodes of Loki you know I thought mm-hmm. we're like especially the first episode was like whoa this TVA thing is gonna be wild him and uh Owen Wilson they're gonna you know this whoever this person they're chasing it just feels like this is gonna get this is gonna be great mm-hmm. third episode all that kind of got thrown out the window by the fourth episode it was just like wow mm-hmm. it's a completely different show mm-hmm. and I, I think that th- Again, what are we doing if, if we're planting these seeds, you know, for the future mm-hmm. of the MCU? It feels like, but shouldn't this, you know, shouldn't this one thing be able to stand on its own in the same way that the first Iron Man film stood on its own? It first Iron Man film opened up the doors for the entire MCU, right? It was a, it was the introduction of the, that that world's first hero, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, first man, you know, on the stage, center stage, everybody knows who he is, hero, and by the end of that film, when uh, Nick Fury shows up, 
you get the sense, okay, this is leading into something bigger. And it did, obviously. Yeah. But the first Iron Man film by itself, if you just want to watch that film, you get a lot out of that film. Not just because it was so good, but I'm just talking about the character development. You know, Tony Stark going from where he was at point A of that movie to um, point to to, uh, to the to the end part of that film. Um, you get a lot out of that. And I don't think that that's happening right now. Black Widow, um, the film itself, Natasha, the character, you did get a nice arc out of her. You did see, you get a whole lot of storytelling about her past. Like you said, exposition. We understand her now. When we go back and watch those films from earlier, mm-hmm. we're going to see them in a different light. Mm-hmm. But the other, the, the broader implication of that, I feel like is that, is that the last time that's going to happen? You know, who, who's, is the next Thor film, you know, Love and Thunder, which has a gazillion guest stars in it. Mm-hmm. Is it going to mm-hmm. give us a, a satisfying story arc for Thor himself? You know, mm-hmm. hopefully, yeah. You know, Taika Waititi has proven that, you know, obviously that he's capable of that type of storytelling on a, on a, on a grand scale. Um, but I'm just, I'm a little bit concerned about the road that they're choosing to get to the destination. I, I think you're right, Arthur. The destination is obviously going to be a, another big bad Maybe even uh, Galactus, who is, you know, a thousand times worse than Thanos, this cat mm-hmm. eats planets. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe someone uh, of that ilk, I don't know. But how they're getting there, you know, is the question. You know, how what, what are you going to spend the next few years doing? Especially, like you said, if they introduce FF or the X-Men, you know, how is that going to play out um, without giving it that space to breathe? Who do you think has the best chance of... S- satisfying your desire for you know the quality storytelling you mean which character which which upcoming uh, well like for example um with what we're talking about i i think that guardians of the galaxy might have the best foundation um i mean guardians is all you know yeah guard i'm especially under james um Gun. James Gunn's uh, direction and leadership, I, I think it definitely has that potential. Um, Thor, you know, I mean, you know, I'm a Thor stan, so of course I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that, and I think that that always has the potential to do because, you know, Thor Ragnarok really broke the mold. I'm, I mean, I love the first Thor film. I'm on record repeatedly mm-hmm, saying mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. Um, but Thor Ragnarok definitely um, took him in a, in a or. It, it may not have taken him in a brand new direction, but it opened up the door on a direction that was already there and like just pushed him down that, you know, mm-hmm. a, you know, took a big leap down that or big step down in that direction. So. um, So, yeah, I think Thor definitely has the potential of doing that. But I I had to be honest with you, man, as much as I've been kind of like meh on the um, Disney Plus series so far on mm-hmm. the, the, the uh, Marvel Disney Plus series, I'm still I still am holding out hope for them because I think that She-Hulk definitely has the the, the potential um, to kick down doors and kind of be like, go back to that, you know, very unique storytelling that we got from the Marvel Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think Moon Knight, you know, if they can do Moon Knight correctly, which I believe, I think Moon Knight might be a 2023 um, Disney Plus streaming series. I'm not sure. But Oscar Isaac is is, uh, is, is playing the, the title role. But if they can do Moon Knight correctly, you know, and kind of allow him to be in his own world for a while mm-hmm. before just throwing him into the larger MCU storylines. I think that can be, you know, something that that um, harkens back to that first era and does kind of those same things as far as giving us time to live with these characters and making us care about them in a way that, you know, that we feel very involved. You know, 
whether or not you liked Iron Man or not, in terms of, you know, Tony Stark and his personality and all those things, man, by the time you get to Civil War and Infinity War and Endgame, it's like by the time he snaps his fingers in Endgame, you know, you're incredibly connected to this character. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Incredibly connected to him um, because you've had time just to be with him, you know, mm-hmm. outside of some of these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Man 3 was, you know, a character study of Tony himself. It wasn't connected to infinity stones or any of the broader things. Mm -hmm. It was a, is this guy going to do what's necessary to become the hero that he, that he needs to become Mm -hmm. um, and not just be this other person. And it put him through the ringer and, you know, it was like a, it was a definitely a character study of him. So I, I I guess I, to answer your question. Yeah. I think I still kind of am holding out hope for the, uh, for the streaming series. Yeah, okay. Um, I know we need to wrap, but I want to ask well, a question me, that I don't think we can. Okay. Does, you know, does the MCU need space? Galaxies, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think what we're saying is we don't want to completely let go of... Continuity. The continuity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to continue the continuity, it seems like we either need to split the band up in some kind of way mm-hmm. um, or we need to continue to tell stories from an, from an, from a galaxy universe perspective, mm-hmm. Captain mm-hmm. Marvel, guardians of the mm-hmm. galaxy, um, silver surfer. Mm-hmm. My man. Right. Um, yeah. Mine I... new territory and that new territory needs to come outside of the confines of earth in human based I, you know what? You just said it. I don't know if it's so much of it has to be, you know, outer space. But when you said they need to mine new territory, that is what they need to do. That because if you do, if you look at the first era of the MCU, we were satisfied where we were with, you know, the Iron Man stuff and the Captain America stuff and the Avengers stuff and the Thor stuff. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was like mm-hmm. that. That mm-hmm. was a nobody saw that coming, you know, mm-hmm. and it was it was the humor was very different, you know, than than the other previous films. The story, just everything about it was very different and it worked. It mm-hmm. worked, you know, to, to to tremendous effect. And I think I don't know if, you, if you've seen the Eternals trailer, like I, the Eternals trailer. I did. Yeah. So for me, the Eternals trailer can kind of go either way. It kind of felt like meh again like okay what's you know i'm not really nothing really grabbed me but then it also felt like man it didn't feel like a mcu trailer until they mentioned uh i think they mentioned tony stark or somebody at the end um of the trailer it it, it could have been any film you know it didn't hit me as a marvel movie at all and that's a good thing so i think that when you say mine new territory that's to me the answer like are they going to do that in this next era are they going to create films that stand on their own and have unique things to say or to your point earlier is it Mm -hmm. going to be some box checking you know we have to have this blow up this has to happen you know this guy needs to be wearing this outfit and that's kind of how Black Widow felt to me at some points where it was like this doesn't even feel like you know the first you know 20 minutes of the film or this feels different than that one Mm -hmm. you know it does it's not gelling to me um so, yeah, I, I think that there's the potential for 
them to do that. And I don't know if it's about outer space, mm-hmm. um, but I do think it is, you know, the the uh, mining new territory. I'm glad you said that because I feel like that's that's kind of what needs to happen. Yeah. Um, so look, before we close, though, let me ask you, I've been pressing you. I know you haven't watched it yet, but I've been pressing you to watch um, Harley Quinn, the animated series on HBO Max. Yeah. And the reason I've been pressing you, one, is because I think it's, it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite television series of recent memory. But also because it's a very good demonstration of what DC can do that Marvel can't do. In other words, because they have, we talked about this in the multiverse mm-hmm. yeah. episode, because they have the multiverse, because they are not, you know, so adherent to um, continuity, mm-hmm. they can have this, you know, animated television series, right, where mm-hmm. Batman is um, kind of an idiot, but he's smart, but he's kind of, he's also kind of an idiot. Mm-hmm. And he's also, you know, there's just everybody's MFN and this, that, and, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just wild. So they can do that. Do you think though, is that, should the MCU learn from that? Do, in other words, the continuity that we grew to love in the first era of MCU storytelling mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. and that Marvel studios perfected us. It shouldn't be, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't um, ignore the fact that they, they perfected that type of storytelling in a way that other studios struggle to um, and still struggle to. So, but should they, should they learn something from DC? Should they open up the, should they loosen up a little bit and allow things like, you know, that Harley Quinn series to happen with Marvel characters? What do you think? Um, Cause that, cause that would have opened up for a, a R-rated Black. If, if they would have gone that route, then we may have gotten an R-rated Black Widow movie. You know what I'm saying? Or R-rated streams, something. You know. But to your point, if it's going to be about continuity and if it's going to be about having a brand, a Marvel Studios brand that doesn't waver. In other words, everything is PG. Everything is, mm-hmm. you know, PG-13 max. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Everything is in that same type of feel and tone tonality. Um, then you don't get that. But if you loosen up and say, you know what, we're we're going to diversify this a little bit. We're going to take a page, maybe not the whole book, but just a page from the DCU play, the, the DC playbook. Because um, God knows you don't want their whole book because they haven't been anywhere near as successful as as Marvel right. um, with their films. So is that? I mean, I don't know. Is that? Is and I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm not decided either way. I'm just throwing it out there. Do you think yeah. that that's something that should happen? Um, well, I'll set aside that I, I, I don't think, I don't think that it would with the, with the Disney owned Marvel studios, the closest you would come to that is furthering Deadpool and, Mm -hmm. um, the existing, uh, popularity with Guardians of the Galaxy with, with that kind of humor and that kind of, of irreverence established, Mm -hmm. they could, they have a license to continue down that road. Because they let the genie out of the bottle in those cases, mm-hmm. um, you know. But I don't, I don't see, uh, you know, Thor, for example, you know, having like, you know, a concubine scene, <laughs> for right. Um, um, but, but, I don't think it would be a bad idea. I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if, uh, if Marvel under Kevin Feige would do something like that. I, you know what it is? I think that I think they're too too blockbustery mm. to do something like that because that feels more indie and scrappy. Mm. Mm. And the way that these MCU stories are told, both on the small screen with the series 
and on the big screen with the blockbusters, um, they don't really know how to scale move down. that deftly. Right. Not even scale down, but just move that deftly. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. you know how, that's and fair. I always go back to Star Wars with this. <laughs> Maybe that's the answer. Maybe John Favreau's the answer. But, because mm-hmm. <laughs> he really knows how to do small screen stuff. And, mm-hmm. and scrappy and, and, you know, gritty. You got it. Can, can Kevin Feige's Marvel tell Logan? Can they do a Logan? Mm. That is that is an I excellent question. I don't believe that they can do that. I don't mm-hmm. believe they know how to do that. Could they do the Mandalorian? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's I like don't not, believe. I uh, don't believe they know how to do that. It's it's interesting because I feel like Lucasfilm has you know with under um, you know when you look at Mando and you look at Bad Batch and even season seven Clone Wars. So far in this very you know. Um, nascent you know state of the of uh disney plus they've you know mastered that a little bit more or to, let's be honest to a much higher degree than than marvel has so far mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they've they've made use of that platform in a better way to me in terms of how to um tell these stories on the small screen in such an impactful way that um it just create it, it creates a, a new fervor you know yeah. for for um for their universe so Okay, but listen, before we wrap up, I got to ask you this, though, because you asked, you you put this out, and then you, you said we need to talk about this, but then you skipped over it. Hmm. 30 seconds. Answer this. Was the Black Widow movie necessary? And this is your question that you threw out. This is well, not yeah, from me. Yeah, this yeah. is you. Yeah, it's yeah. from you. So 30 seconds, tell me, was, was Black Widow, the film, necessary to answer your own question? For what it was, I don't think it was necessary. Mm. Why? It, Quickly. It, because... Because if it wasn't presented this way, it was certainly inferred mm-hmm. that this would be um, that you know that that this would be a puzzle piece in the Phase Three Marvel story. Mm-hmm. It's going to fit between Captain America: Civil War and Avengers: Infinity War, and it did not do that for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. For me, I, I, I would disagree. I think it is. It was necessary. I just think it was overdue. I think it should have happened years ago. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that mm-hmm. it does explain certain things that happened in Natasha's past. It also speaks to her state of mind in Infinity War. You know, they made a huge deal out of showing you, you know, the vest, you know, uh, Yolanda's vest that she yeah. gives her. You see her wearing that in Infinity War. Um, so they made a big deal out of that and what that symbolized in her her new um, her. Her new her new outlook on family, you know, post um, uh, Black Widow and post Civil War. By the time you get to Infinity War, she's you know she's slightly different, and this is noticeable. And by, by you know by the time you get to Endgame, she's yeah, really you different. really see that, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think it was necessary. I just think it was overdue, and I think that they they you know she should have gotten her own film probably maybe even immediately after civil war in, you know, in real time, mm-hmm, um, that mm-hmm, would have been the time mm-hmm, to do it. And then maybe mm-hmm. even give her a sequel. I don't know. Um, okay. But yeah, I just want to throw that out there. Cause you had asked it at beat before we hit record. So I want to make sure we included that. Um, but yeah. Okay. So we'll see. We'll, we'll come back to this, this topic, I guess, probably, 
you know, we have um, What If is coming out, um, I believe, in August or September, the What If yeah. series. And that's, you know, to be honest, man, the trailers for that make are making me think, mm, this may be the Disney Plus series that I like the most this year. I don't know. Um, we're supposed to get Hawkeye, um, mm-hmm. I think, at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next year we'll continue on. We get, you know, Spider-Man, um, uh, was it uh, No Way Home comes comes out, I think, in December. So we'll see what happens with this, and then, this new uh, era. The sequel to Black Panther is 2022, right? Is it 2022 or 2023? I don't know. Maybe I don't know if they moved the production back. Yeah, maybe 2023. I'm not sure, but we'll see. And obviously, we'll come back to this and see. What um, if might answer your greediness? Because it's animated. Oh yeah, it's it's animated, but it's also listen. You know, I'm not. I'll be transparent. It brings back the old crews. You know what I'm saying? You got Chris Hemsworth. You know, you got you got. I think uh, uh, before he passed away, I think Chadwick recorded. You know his part, so you're getting mm-hmm. uh, uh, Chadwick, Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman's T'Challa. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting Agent Carter. You know, you're getting all these mm-hmm. the old crew. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bit nostalgic, but I just feel like it just feels the most. And to to the point that we made about you know learning from the DC um, DCEU or, or Warner Brothers, this what if gives Marvel the chance to not be connected to any continuity. They can do whatever yeah. the hell they want. Um, and I know we only. I know I only mentioned this in passing, but the 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 Captain Marvel sequel. I mean, we still have Monica Rambeau, mm, yeah. who could bring Which, some. I hope so, but again, I wasn't. You know, are we going to get some time to get to know her? I don't know because in that first, in her uh, Wandavision, you know, uh, appearance, I was like, eh. mm-hmm. you know, it's too. I just, I, I don't feel. I just, I just want time to spend with her. You know. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll come back and touch on these All again, right. this this topic again in a future episode. All right, we want to hear your thoughts. This has been Mad Unreal episode forty. Uh, this is Arthur. That is Isaac. Reach out to us on Twitter, please. Hashtag Mad Unreal. Uh, what are your thoughts on Black Widow? What are your thoughts on the future? What are your thoughts on? I mean, you know, specifically the future of MCU, not necessarily the future. Of- <laughs> not the future, not just the future. <laughs> Although if you like to share those thoughts, make sure you add Arthur with, <laughs> add Arthur with those thoughts. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and find us anywhere and everywhere. Find our SS feeds are consumed. See you next show. Keep it on real. Peace.